welcome to the 171st episode of the Crack Die Podcast. All right. Hooray. Nice. We made it. I know. I know. We defeated the purple worm. Oh, the purple everything. Worms. and Yes. We saved Ooh, and we, we made friends with the worm and we sent it on its way. So, you know, Matt bringing up, you know, trying to befriend the purple worm and healing it and all that stuff. I found a YouTube video that was a very dangerous YouTube video for me to find. Oh, no. And I want to talk about it without all of you. It was called Top 10 exotic pets you can own in the United States. Oh, no. Oh, no. So there were things like capybaras. You can have capybaras? In some states, yes. But they say they're terrible to own because you need to get at least two because they're very social. And if you don't have two, they won't live that long. They say two is the minimum, but they really recommend like four to six and they get really big. Yeah, they can be like the size of small pigs. The one that I was most excited about and then really sad about was a Honduran bat, the white Honduran bat, which you can own as a pet. And I think bats are adorable and I love bats. I think Honduran white bats are fucking adorable. I love them so much. I assume it's not legal in Jersey, which is why you got so. No, they are. But outside of captivity, they can live for like 15 years. The longest anyone has lived in captivity is one. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. Oh, no, I wouldn't want to do that to the poor bat. Yeah, yeah. Unless you have a <laughs> the video was like, unless you have a cave in your house, it's not smart. I'm like, yeah, I don't. Yeah. Unless you're like a zoo. Yeah. And you're like researching how to help them live longer in captivity. So that brings me to the question I want to ask you all. What exotic pet would you get if you could? Any pet in existence. Taking all the realism out of it, like the only thing I'm saying is it has to still be physically alive. So as much as I want like a Dionychus, I can't get one. I would go with a, uh, a humpback whale. <laughs> Just, just to say you had a humpback whale. No, I like. I really, uh, really like Star Trek Four. <laughs> so I think it'd be, you know, cool. All right, all right. Hiya, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Sure. I remember when I was little. I think also growing up with the culture of falconry and and things like that being big in the Middle East, I definitely wanted a falcon, namely a, a peregrine falcon, because they're small and cute and fast. But I don't know. I think the older I got, I'm like, I don't want to keep something like that in captivity. Especially my aunt, I think, is technically still involved with this this group called El Mawa, which takes in animals from the illegal pet trade, like exotic pet trade, which is huge in the south of the Arabian Peninsula and, and the Gulf states. And also they take in a lot of refugees from wars. Like they have a Syrian brown bear who is a sweetheart called Baloo. And yeah, he was rescued from, from Syria, from a zoo there that they just left him for dead. So having been there and worked with the animals that were taken from, you know, the wild, and then you see on TikTok all these videos of Khaliji gentlemen, like playing with their, I don't know, leopard pets and stuff. And like, they, they seem happy. I just, I don't know. There's a part of me and I'm just like, no, no, they need to be the wild. <laughs> I get that. I get that for sure. You're going to high road us and say uh, you're too good for that. All right, cool, cool, cool. Thanks, Aya. No, I said falcon. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, if you ever did actually want to get into falconry, generally sneaking across the board, peregrine falcons are starter birds. I have looked into this extensively since the time I was in high school because I've also wanted to be a falconer for a long time. But yeah, generally speaking, falcons are one of the first birds you can get and learn with 
Peregrine Falcons specifically. They're adorable. They're so they're such tiny, fast little murder burbs. They really are. I love them. I know. They really, really are. Oh my gosh. Sorry to derail, but still in the Falcon topic. Did I ever tell you guys the story of the time I hopped on a plane? I think I was coming to visit you, Matt, but I had to take a plane from Dubai to Qatar and then from Qatar to the US. But in that flight, like we were all waiting for our gates and then all these like, I don't know, like 10 dudes like walked on first and they all had falcons on their arms and we all passed first class and, and there was just these like sea of gentlemen with falcons on their arms going to Qatar. I was like, ah, and apparently there was going to be like a, a falconry competition or, or whatever, <laughs> but it was just... I don't know, it was surreal. <laughs> I, I guess, yeah. Just like a whole bunch of like hooded falcons just like, I could have flown this. Like, why? <laughs> I'm a bird. Why did you put me in a plane? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. Sorry to derail. I just... No, that's that's adorable. I would have I would have been the one going like, I know I'm going to get myself in deep, deep trouble, but I'd be the one going like, can I pet it? <laughs> I was fighting that impulse. Yeah, yeah. It's like one of those things where you're like, I know, like, I don't want to talk to any of these people because that will get me in trouble, but like, no, or stress out the bird. Like, I can only imagine the... Yeah. I'm pretty sure Christine's going to die trying to pet something she shouldn't. Possibly. <laughs> There's so many options for me. I would have like any of the big cats... I would have an owl. I would have any kind of fox, specifically Arctic foxes. They're so cute. Apparently, Fenix foxes are legal to own. They are, but they're nocturnal and super high energy. So like it's take care of them. It's like a not for you. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I am nocturnal if, if, if I can live with my but own. But you're not high energy. Well, I, I, can, I can play with it. It's fine. I, I am nocturnal when I can live of my own volition. Unfortunately, I have a nine to five office job. So, Heidi, how about you? I have a cat. <laughs> That's as exotic as you want. Got it. Matt? I'd have to say a Kawatamundi. <gasps> okay. Okay. For why? Because they're cool. They're like fancy raccoons. <laughs> or like a Malaysian taper is also really cute. They have like little mini elephant snouts and they're like literally really split in half, black and white. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, Quatamundi's from South America, Central America. They're super cute. I wonder what their temperament is like. Are they also cheeky like raccoons? I think so. I think they're very much like a South American raccoon, but I don't <laughs> know if they have the same opposable thumbs. With their clever little mischiefy hands. <laughs> yeah. Grabby raccoon hands. So anyway, you guys killed a bunch of things in this room. Wow, that's a segue. That's a whole segue from like what animals do you like, by the way. So you guys are murderers, right? And uh, <laughs> anyway. Wait, no, Sean, what's your answer? It's a toss up. Okay. Honduran white bat, river otter, a red panda, or what is the small, very grumpy looking owl? Oh, a screech owl? Yes. Yeah, the screech are the tiny ones that always look angry. <laughs> yeah, or a screech owl. <laughs> Burrowing owls are the tiny ones that always look either like startled or curious or amused. Screech owls are the ones that look like they just want to murder you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they sound like it too. Jeez. We have them in, in Jordan as well, and they used to give me nightmares. I'm like, what? What is that? I mean, they are appropriately named. Yup. <laughs> okay. Oh, by the way, Matt, you did roll a one to identify those crystal oozes. <laughs> I figured I roll a lot of ones that game. So no surprise. Yeah. I basically swapped what they were resistant and what they were immune to when I told you that stuff. So you're now in this very empty cave. You know about the 
two patches of death crystals that are down there. We're still in the jewel gate, aren't we? Like we haven't gotten out yet, or did we? No, you've gone through the jewel gate. You're on the other side of it. Okay, this is the other side of the jewel gate. Okay. And then everyone but Soraya. Oh, great. I rolled secret perception checks for all of you, and you all passed it. Oh, am I just oblivious? <laughs> yeah, you're just oblivious. There's something go, like, you guys see something interesting that's kind of like pinging over there. So where the the crystals were originally? Yes. All right. So I'll check it out. All right. And we are in exploration. So Twin Talon, you're going to kind of dig around to figure out what that is. Christine, what is Soraya doing? I think I'm going to go try and deactivate some more of these crystal clusters. Yeah, I'll say in 10 minutes, you can definitely get both patches depending on your role. Haya? I think Brianna would look around to her companions to see if anybody would need some medical attention. If not, she will take the 10 just to refocus because she did lay on hands on Ooh when we said goodbye last time. Yeah. Soraya and Knife Sword both look hurt. They look pretty, not pretty beaten up, but like hurt. And Twin Talon also looks hurt, but not as much as they do. Okay. And you can take care of two at once, so... Correct. Heidi? Who's getting handed? All right. Right? No, you're healed. You're good. I'm all healed up? Okay. Right. I laid on hands you last time. All right. I'm going to go wander down some of these hallways. Not too far, not too far, but just like, just enough. I'll just wander up this way. Just see what's up. Sniff around a little bit. Okay. And Rob, what is Knife Sword doing? Trying to decide if he's. this is the time to pull out his tent and take a nap. Like, you know, rest up, get those like three spells he cast back. <laughs> so he's a tip top shape for the next vital. If at all possible, Brianna would have probably asked Surya and I swore to gather around so she could heal them both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when we're getting healed, we can't really do anything else, can we? That is correct. Oh, are those glowing crystals like on the ground anywhere? Like where I can just pick some up? Yeah, there's some right by your feet while you're sitting by Brianna, who's trying to patch you up. I want to grab a few, tape them with me. Okay. If nothing else, if they're natural, just naturally going to glow, it'd be cool to, you know, decorate something with it. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So, Matt, as you kind of look, you see that there's like a layer of crystal that has fused over what looks like a staff with a pair of bronze serpents coiled around it. Uh, okay. Tintown will try to free said staff. All right. You dig it out. And would you like to give me a arcana, nature, occultism, or religion check, please? Yes. All right. You identify that this is called a marvelous medicine. It's just a marvelous medicines. It's not a staff. It is a staff of marvelous medicines. The set of healers tools contains a seemingly endless supply of bandages, herbs, and healing items of impeccable quality, granting you a plus two item bonus to medicine checks. Isn't that the thing we got in the Ferasman temple? Yes, you got one, but you returned it. Okay. This one is a staff that you could take with you. And once every eight hours, if you treat poison or treat disease, you can activate this and to produce the effect of neutralize poison or remove disease. Okay. Once these medicines have been used to treat a patient's poison or disease, they can't be used again to treat the same affliction for that patient. Okay. So Twin Talon will take it over to where Brianna is healing Knife Sword. And I'll be like, um, I found this. I think if it's what I think it is, it, it's probably more useful in your hands than mine. It should give you resources to treat afflictions. Like it's like a healer's kit kind of, but it's a stick. It's got snakes on it. It's got snakes on it. Yeah, there's two curled snakes. I don't, 
but it should help you treat wounds and diseases and things like that. It should help with that. Okay. So wait, is the Caduceus a symbol in Galarian? It might be, but you guys do remember, I know it's been a couple couple weeks, almost a month at this point, that you were told before you came through the portal that there were serpent folk that were on this side that infused some of the crystals with necrotic energy. So this staff looks like it was probably one of theirs, even though it's ancient. Okay. Well, we'll hold on to this, but if it ends up belonging to someone or a long lost culture, I'd rather it be in their hands than in mine. But thank you. Thank you very much. Ooh, Heidi. Yo, me. So as you wander down this hallway, it just continues and it's just... Do you guys remember the quarry? Yeah. It has that same like vast giantness that you feel. And now that you look at it, most of these tunnels were probably made by that purple worm. So like they're just really big and like crudely made and the feeling and you kind of get the feeling that, you know, you're in a cave, like you just feel the weight of the surface world kind of like pushing down on you. Cool. And it's lit by some crystals that are shimmering and whatnot. Well, it's not the first time I've been in a cavernous, but also somewhat tight space. Moving forward, I'm going to move forward. I'm nosy as shit. Okay, that's fine. Do I see anything? No, it's just dark. Well, it's like twilight with the lights glimmering around. Christine. Yes? Give me a crafting check, please. Okay. 29. So after Brianna heals you up a little bit, you manage to wander down and take care of the crystal patches. So Heidi, as you look down the hallway, you see that there is an exit leading to the east. Y'all, the exit is this way. Have we looked at any of the other caverns first? No. It's good to know that there is something that way. The completionist in you is calling. You know how I am. Besides, it's never worked against you, has it? Hey! Yes, that is absolutely that kind of joke. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now, in the next 10 minutes, what would you like to do? Finish exploring! All right. Ooh is going to keep exploring. Christine? So, Ooh has gone down, what, the southernmost tunnel or just the center one for now? So, she went through the north tunnel and then looped down and you can see her through the center tunnel. Okay, cool. I will explore the southern tunnel. Heidi, you're looking around in there. Matt, where are you headed? Twin Talon is going to refocus. He used his focus point for heal animal on the worm. So he's going to just refocus and get his focus point back. Great. Knife sword. I'm going to wander around and collect more crystals. These could be useful down the road. All right. So you're wandering around. Also, just to give everyone out there in listener land an update. Brianna has one hero point. Twin Talon has one hero point. Knife Sword has two hero points. Soraya has two hero points. And Heidi has... One! One? One. New episode, new me. One. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to say you guys take probably like 30 minutes to explore this whole area. And there is nothing else in this cavern. It is just empty. Well, that's a whole load of disappointing. You win. And the walls, ceiling, and floor of this cavern are adorned with softly glowing crystals. Several 10-foot wide circular openings provide exits from the cavern, three to the west and two to the east, with depressions in the wall and floor elsewhere, suggesting that other exits once existed but have either collapsed or have been overgrown by the growing crystals. Although the northeast exit from the cave is barren of crystals after a dozen feet, which is the hallway U pointed out. Didn't somebody mention treasure and booty or something? If we find the nest, take the pirate off the sea? 
What nest? Whose nest now? The purple worm is nest. If you find the purple worm is nest, you get all the booty. Well, I think we'd have to burrow to find it or else, you know, if it's in this area, maybe. Though Twin Town will take a look around like where we are, but you know, unless we have a drilling machine, like a boring machine, we're not going to... I mean, could we follow the purple worm that we set free? I don't think they leave like tunnels that you can walk down and typically like collapse underneath of them, but we could try. Sean, want to weigh in? Is that what you guys are doing? Looking for the purple worm's nest? Yeah. Wait, why? For the booty! For treasure? For treasure! I don't think this is what we're down here for. We're not treasure hunters. We came here to help. We have the Scarlet Triad to deal with, which is what we should go and deal with. Mm -hmm. She's right. And I whisper very quietly, I'll come back for you later, sweet booty. (laughs) I'm going to pull out a notebook and scribble in it, not treasure hunting. (laughs) (laughs) Knife sword, I love you. Well, we know we have any number of tunnels we could possibly explore. Shall we start to... Eliminating a few? You'd think they'd have signs down here. This way to the underdeck. 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 <laughs> Sorry, it's the Darklands. We're not playing the copyrighted version. My bad. Following the stone passage leading east from the caverns, you swiftly leave behind the glowing crystals and navigate a long, dark tunnel that leads east for a thousand feet before reaching a wall of worked stone in which a narrow fissure has left a 20-foot deep crack. Mm. How wide is the crack? That's a little personal to ask, but it looks like you could fit through without a problem. Medium creatures would have to like wiggle through, but you could definitely get there. If you were larger than medium, then you're going to have to figure out a way to widen the hole. Well, fortunately, none of us are. Not yet. Oh, okay, because I was like, I have this thing called collective transposition. If it's not that far... I could probably just teleport everybody through the crack. Yeah, we could try that. Okay, so with a little help from your friend Knife Sword. I guess you could say we get by with a little help from our friend. Yeah. You could, but we're not going to. (laughs) Well, fine. I was going to say that's our episode title, but okay. (laughs) So I'm going to put you all on the map. I'm going to allow you all to adjust where you're standing. Then I'm going to read the description of the room. Then I'm going to show you what's going on. Oh boy. Did we come from any particular direction? Above. So let me read the description of this beautiful room. Two dry fountains sit in the center of this 30 foot high domed roost chamber. Noxious looking patches of sticky fungus grow in thick tangles around each of the fountains, while the walls bear carvings of dwarves engaged in lively debate. The carvings are damaged and partially obscured by swaths of mold. In this room, as you land, and you land quietly without anything really taking notice of you. Oh no. Oh, okay. God. You see two gugs watching this weird bat looking creature. It looks like it's got a glowy crotch. I don't know what that is. <laughs> you hear the two gugs, which are these creatures, howling and roaring in excitement while they watch the bat-like creature tear into a small pile of dwarven ghouls. Dwarven ghouls? Ghouls. So if anyone at home can't see the pictures that we're looking at, that's all of them. Gugs are like gorillas, except at each elbow they have two arms, or like two forearms and claws, and instead of a neck, they have a giant toothy mouth. So it's like you you rip the gorilla's head off at the neck and just put a bunch of teeth in it. That's kind of what it looks like. It's pretty disturbing. Yep, not pleasant. And the bat looks like a big bat with a glowy penis. 
you're not wrong. You're out of line, but you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't have a big picture of the Gug, but I do have a big picture of the bat-like creature that I'm going to show you. And it's going to show you its name, but you guys don't know what it's called. Okay, so it doesn't have a glowing penis. It's just got a theoretically uncorporeal lower half that is neon blue. That's fair. It looks like Man Bat from the Batman animated series with a slightly pig-like face, like the snout. I mean, some, some bats look like that. Right, vampire bats definitely have that sort of snout. Yeah, it's definitely not the cute white Honduras bat that we were talking about beforehand. And it's got bioluminescent legs and groin. Cool. So as Haya said, vampire bat face, humanoid, large actually, and bioluminescent dingus and below. All right, cool. But it's destroying ghoul. So apparently there's a fight in this area between two factions, maybe. Also, this fungus taking over everything makes me think of The Last of Us. You're going to start getting clickers? <laughs> no. Which is a show on HBO Max that makes you want to cry. It's, it just challenges you to cry every week. You're going to cry now? How about now? We'll do this. Do you want to cry? I just cried nonstop. Anyway, the gugs kind of do look like clickers, but instead of a mushroom face, it's just teeth. Yeah, it's very weird. Mushroom face. <laughs> oh, I also wanted to say, what's gug got to do? I've got to do with it. I quit. <laughs> what's gug but a secondhand emotion? No. Please, mercy. Boo. I don't want gug emotion. No, it's a second <laughs> arm in motion. <laughs> there you go. Sean hates that I'm more clever than he is with wordplay. <laughs> I don't hate it. I just, I'm impressed with how quickly you can get these things out. All right. So let's just go home. <laughs> yeah, they don't seem to notice us, right? They have not noticed you. Can we make checks to see what we know about these things? Absolutely. So for the gugs. It would be occultism for the bat-like creature. It would be religion. I'm going to leave the bat to Brianna. I'm going to go for the gugs. Go for the gugs. Get all up in them gugs. <laughs> Rearrange them gugs. That it's what nature for gugs? Occultism for the gugs. And oh, I'm sorry. Arcana or nature or religion for the bat-like creature. Oh, well, then I could also do the bat-like creature, but we'll see. I'm just going to take the best roll for these. All right. So the natural 20 is on the bat-like creature, which is called a Dekuli, D-E-C-U-L-I. These bat-like monstrosities inhabit the nooks and crevices of the Darklands, where they hang from stalactites and swoop down on unsuspecting prey. Though they are completely sightless, Dekulis possess rudimentary nerves in their skulls that allow them to detect the presence of infrared light, information that they use to locate potential food and threats. They are deadly hunters, thanks largely to their magical ability to manipulate the ebb and flow of shadows. Dekulis prefer to feed upon the warm blood of freshly killed prey, but can subsist on carrion if they have to. You know where they sit? Where? On Dekuli. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think Sean is reconsidering our marriage. <laughs> All right. And you also got a critical success on the Gug. A Gug's most horrid feature is its barrel-shaped head, which splits vertically to reveal numerous rows of sharp yellow teeth and an open throat. It has eyes on either side of its head jaw, and they are small but keen. Bony ridges protect its eyes from frantic flailing of its prey, as it prefers meals of raw and writhing meat over fungi and molds. It grips said prey with powerful arms that split at the elbow into a pair of forearms, giving it four clawed paws. 
These monstrous brutes are covered with shaggy black fur, often crusted with blood and gore. Although Gugs may seem bestial, they have keen and wicked intellects. Gugs lairs are far underground, but sometimes come to the surface to hunt during dark nights either alone or in small groups, as they possess voracious appetites. Most Gugs consume the creatures they catch, but some instead kidnap their victims, retreat below the surface, and leave only a lingering stench and odd clawed paw prints. Victims are taken to rancid lairs marked with strange runes and sacrificed to the Gugs' wicked gods of blood, darkness, and nightmares. Dire rumors tell of lightless Gug cities made of titanic blocks of stone far underground, where powerful Gug leaders preach their vile doctrines to mobs of howling Gugs. Gugs have a strange relationship with ghouls, which seem to date from their shared origin in a distant subterranean world. Gugs live in fear of ghouls, despite towering over them. However, this strange fear doesn't apply to ghasts, whom Gugs consume as voraciously as they do other creatures. Gugs stand about 16 feet tall and weigh about 2,000 pounds, although they have an eerie, graceful gait that belies their immense size. Their light step and ability to squeeze through very small crannies makes Gugs common boogeymen in tales of strange disappearance or bloody massacres. And you guys get to ask me four questions about each of them. We each get to ask you? No, 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 no. As a group, you get four questions for the Dakuli and four for the Gugs. I'd say weaknesses and resistances for both would be a good two questions. All right. So for the Dakuli, they have no weaknesses, but they do have immunity to visual effects because they are essentially blind. And Gugs are just normal creatures, no strengths, no weaknesses. By the way, Gugs are chaotic evil, large aberrations, and the Dakuli is a neutral evil, large beast. Oh, evil, evil. Holy, holy. Do we want to know, like, special attacks on anything or? Sure. I feel like that's always useful to know. Yeah. What do we got to watch out for? Okay. So for special attacks for the Dakuli, it has for two actions. Once a day, it can create a shadow sanctuary. It creates an extra dimensional space adjacent to itself in any 10 by 10 foot area of darkness it enters. To non-Dakulis, the extra dimensional space looks like an ordinary area of darkness, though effects such as true seeing can see through the illusion. Dakulis' infrared vision functions normally between this extra dimensional space and the area outside of its confine, allowing the Dakuli to sense what's going on around it. And its innate darkness spell also extends to an area around the Shadow Sanctuary. Attacks cannot be made into or from the extra-dimensional space. The Dakuli can dismiss this effect to emerge from its Shadow Sanctuary, but the space it emerges into must be in darkness and must be unobstructed. If the area is obstructed, the Dakuli is shunted to the nearest available space and takes 1d6 bludgeoning damage per 5 feet shunted. Shadow Strike for 2 actions. It has to be in its shadow sanctuary. Then the Dakuli can dismiss its shadow sanctuary. It strides, climbs, or flies up to its speed, then makes a fang strike that deals an additional 46 precision damage. And the last one is walk in shadows. When the Dakuli is hiding in darkness and sneaks, it can move its full speed instead of half. For the Gugs, they have eerie flexibility. Despite it being large, it can move as if it were a medium creature. And while squeezing, it can move at its full speed. It has ferocious claws for two actions. The Gugs make four claw strikes, each against a different target. These attacks all count towards the Gugs' multiple attack penalty, but it doesn't increase until after the Gug makes all four attacks. Awesome. And lastly, it has Rend. These guys are awful. Yeah. If the monster hits the same enemy with two consecutive strikes, 
In the same round, the monster automatically deals that strike damage to the enemy. Yeesh. How many questions do we have left? Or one for each of the creatures. Like resistances and special attacks. What else do we ask? We asked weaknesses, but they didn't have any. Hit points? ACs. I don't know. You have two questions left. So for the Gugs, their AC is 32 and they have 195 hit points. For the Dekuli, it has an AC of 35 and has 235 hit points. I also forgot to mention that the Gugs do have an attack of opportunity. Yeah, so you guys land there, like quietly, you go poof, poof. And both of the Gugs are cheering as this Dekuli is flying up and then swooping down, eating some of the ghouls and then flying away, back up while the Gugs stay a decent distance away. When you were first describing the scene, I almost thought the Gugs were like, chug, chug, chug. Right? <laughs> to the Dekuli. <laughs> I mean, they kind of are. I know there's no facing in Pathfinder, but I'll put an X where the pile of recently killed ghouls are. I mean, how many ghouls are left? Like, if we start a combat, will they be a problem? No, they're all dead. It's literally a pile of ghouls that this thing is flying down and eating and then flying back up. Oh, so they're just happy that the bodies are getting desecrated? Yeah, yeah, basically. And for your initiatives, I'm assuming you guys want to fight this thing, right? Mm, I guess. Brianna, they're all evil creatures. Yeah. The Gugs are chaotic evil. I don't think you can <laughs> decide not to. Yeah. For initiative, for Brianna, if you would like to use your religion, I'll let you roll that. You can also use perception or stealth. That's it. And you all get a plus two to your initiative because they do not notice you. And the Gugs are just going to roll standard perception. All right. Christine, what did you get? Soraya has a 36. All right. Hiya. Brianna rolled a 27. Okay. Heidi, what did you get for Ooh? Ooh is looking backwards and thinking about that booty. She got a total of 25. Okay. Matt, what did you get? Twintalin got a 35. Okay. All right. And Rob, I'm assuming you got like a 36. No, I thought I'd go easy on him this week and I only rolled a five, so I got 27. Okay. Brianna or Knife Sword, who wants to go first? Oh, wait, do we get a plus two on this? Yes, you all get a plus two. Did everybody give themselves a plus two? Yes. No. No. So I got a 38. 27 now. I have a 29 now. I'm going to adjust everyone up two points. Except me, because I did add mine. Okay. Hi, I was actually paying attention. Yep. I just forget things really quickly. I had roving distractions. <laughs> Ooh or Brianna, who wants to go first? Brianna, you want to go first? Doesn't matter. Okay, Brianna will go first. She loves going first. And then if she walks first, I can see her booty. Oh, that's the real reason. <laughs> and Haya, because you followed instructions, I'm giving you a hero point. Yay! Hooray! <laughs> Hooray! Teach it, teach it. Would anyone like to raise a shield to start, go into a rage or anything like that? I would like to quietly rage. I will also go into rage. Oh. <laughs> Is that an option? Can we do that? <laughs> can we all just rage quietly? Technically, I, I can. <laughs> I can give people my rage. Oh, that's right. Start tapping people on the booty like, you got this. Tap, 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 tap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so angry. You said you want to go into a rage? Yes, please. Anybody else want to go into a rage? No, you want to do your Dread Marshal Zara? Yes. Yes, I would. All right. Intimidation. All right. Go ahead and roll your intimidation. <laughs> 13 on the die for a total of 32. And you are all level 14. Correct. That is just enough to succeed. Hooray. Every day I'm marshaling. <laughs> Nerds. Christine, you go first. Okay, friends. Are we going in loud or are we starting off slow? 
Be sneaky. I think once we hit one of them, they're going to figure it out. I don't know if anything else is nearby, though. And if we throw something like, oh, I don't know, some bottled sunlight against the shadow creature? Well, I mean, the, the back can't see. Right, but the two larger creatures... Don't have heads. They have eyes. Oh, do they? Yes, they have very small eyes. Yep, on the sides of their heads. They do, yeah. They're not undead, so I don't think they would fall prone. But if we do have something that can light up this room enough that it can't get a 10-foot square of darkness, we could probably negate most of its nastiness. Not that the bottled sunlight will do that. Girl, you throw something on the other side. We can sneak attack. I think both options are viable. I think either you throw in a light and we go, or we move into position until everybody's ready and then I'll attack at once. We're going to have some fun with some more necrotic bombs. Why not? I'm going to aim it at this guy, the Dekuli. 42. That'll hit. Sheesh. Damn, what's its, what's its uh, AC? 35. That is 19 negative damage, 3 negative splash. And if it hits here, then I think it hits everybody. Do I have expanded splash? Let me look at my feats. I honestly forget what I have as far as half my alchemy shit goes because there's so much to pick. <laughs> I don't actually have expanded splash, so it'll still get those two, though. That's action number one. Action number two is going to be to do the same thing. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the miss. It's a little early for a hero point. I don't want to attack again because I'm pretty much guaranteed to critically miss, but I don't know what else to do with my third action. Also, I know you guys all have dark vision, so it doesn't really matter, but this room is pitch black. So there are shadows everywhere. I mean, getting some light in here might not be the worst idea. Yeah, I'm going to quick alchemy a tinder twig and light it. Okay, let me get you a tinder twig. All right, and that is your turn, correct? Yep. All right, Matt, you are up. All right, so Twin Talon moves the same speed if he is sneaking or not. And since this Dekuli can't see him, and when he does stealth, it affects all senses, even if they're using like smell or echolocation or whatever. That's sonar. Yeah, so even not being invisible, he's thinking that the Dekuli can't he may be able to just not be able to be basically be invisible to it at least. So he is going to take an action to stealth, I guess, if that's a thing. Move stealthily in combat. Oh, I think it's just like you move, but you do it stealthy, I think. I think you have. Yeah, you roll against their perception DC. What is your total? 40. Uh, yeah, that's a success as far as you know. Okay, then Twin Talon is going to basically run at the Gug and try to slide under its legs to get on the other side of it, which is acrobatics, I believe, to tumble through. Okay, I have put on the Tinder Twig, by the way. That is a 45 versus its like reflex DC. That is a critical success. Okay, so Twin Talon skids underneath the Gug, comes up on the other side, just pops up, and then he is going to stab the Cooley because he's pretty sure it doesn't know he's there. So it's technically flat footed to him. It's the first round of combat and it hasn't gone, so it's flat footed anyway. So can you put the flat footed condition on it, please? I can, maybe. Oh, well, we're putting conditions. Yeah, just put, just put uh, you know, anything else on there, too. Yeah, yeah, like dead. Put the dead condition. Death? The dead condition? Yeah, yeah. That's a great condition. I like that condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a 33 to hit its flat-footed AC. That is exactly a hit. 
All right. So he is going to roll some damage there. Uh, that is 29 piercing, five sonic, four electricity. And he's going to hit it with precise debilitation. So it's 38 damage total. And then I'll put precise debilitation on it as well. All right. That's not a bad first round. Yeah. Good opening volley. I guess. Is that three actions or two? So I moved, but I did stuff when I was moving. So I guess that, I don't know. I acrobatic under the gug while stealthing. And then you had to go into a stealth check. I guess. Whatever. If you say it's three actions, it's three actions. I think that's three actions, yeah. That's fine. And then Tesani's just going to hang out with Brianna for right now. All right. Surprise, surprise. Ooh, Matt, the Gug that is directly next to you Mm -hmm. is going to claw you. Okay. That's a 15 on the die for a total of 40. That is a hit. So that is 24 points of damage. Oh. Wait, no, not the Gug. The Gug doesn't take 24. Yeah, suck it, Gug. <laughs> take my damage. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. He liberates you, actually. Twin Talon <laughs> is going to take 24 damage. All right. And then it's going to do it again. Come on, claw number two. Ooh, an eight on the die for a 29. That is a miss. All right. And then for its last action... It's going to lean its head back and let loose a howl. Uh oh. All right. Next up is the Dakuli. So it now has to. Well, Matt, you stabbed it, right? Yes. If it, if it knows where I am. Right. Right. So it knows something hit it. Blame the gug. Blame the gug. Yeah. 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 I mean, it could try to seek me out. All right. It's going to cast a three-action twenty-foot burst greater darkness. So anyone in the darkness here, if you have dark vision, you cannot see. If you have greater dark vision, you can see. Any targets in the darkness are considered concealed from everyone in and outside of it. Oh, that's so good. All right, that's the Dakuli's turn. Next up is Knife Sword. Do you have any light spells? Maybe not quite light, <laughs> but light producing. Was that a spell? Do you like dispel magic or something? Is that a thing? Dispel magic is a thing. I don't know if you have it, though. I mean, it would be useful. I probably don't have it. <laughs> I can detect magic. Yep, that's magic. <laughs> yeah, me too. That is definitely a magical darkness. Good job, guys. That's all right. Nice orb. Light them up. All right, I'm igniting fireworks all around them. <laughs> so they need to make reflex saves. We're also just flooding the Dakuli with heat sources, so its infrared works less effectively. Yeah, that's true. All right, so I need the, the Dakuli and one of the Gugs to make reflex saves. All right, so the Gug succeeds and the Dakuli critically succeeds. Only one is within it. Did both Dugs succeed? That's not true. It's got a 10 foot radius. They're only 10 feet apart from each other. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're not wrong. I'm just looking at the template it put out and it's like, nope, that's it. It did like slapped it down and didn't let me move it. I was trying to hit all of them. Okay, no worries, no worries. I'll roll for the third one. It's fine. How could it possibly fail? It regular succeeded. So both of the Gugs are taking half damage and dazzled and the Tukuli takes nothing. Well, that was not successful. <laughs> no, the two Gugs are dazzled. That's good. Yeah. That's not nothing. All right. That's all I'm going to do right now. All right. Can I see the Doug or I just see black mass? 
You just see black. I think the gug is big enough that the one to the east is actually sticking out of the darkness, but the other one is completely concealed. The one to the east is sticking out a little bit, yes. Then I will magic missile him. Also, don't forget that the aid action can be done in combat to give someone a plus one or plus two on their next attack roll. Not saying that's something you have to do, I just wanted to remind people. Pew, 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 pew. Six more points. Can we go back to fighting the little crystal blobs again? <laughs> I'm doing better there. All right, Brianna, hi, uh, it is your turn. Yeah, I'm just debating what to do. I feel like Matt set it up, so I send Brianna over to flank with him, but now I can't see. And they've probably moved, right? So... <laughs> I mean... Metagame-wise, you know, well, I guess they went, but you can try to seek them even if you can't see them. Okay. Yes, you can spend one action to seek. So I'll do that. What do I roll? I believe it is a perception check. If you are looking for creatures, choose the area you're scouting. You can either select a 30-foot cone, 15-foot burst within light of sight. Okay, so I'm hoping to perceive the gug that Twin Talon had been flanking. Concealed, you don't have to seek. You know where they are. You can see that there's a big shape in there. So it's a, like a DC5 flat check to hit it because it's not exactly where you might think it is, but you know that there's something like right there. Yes. Can you see the like ripple f effect when you... Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you know where they are, but like Matt said, you have to make a DC5 flat check against it when you roll. Okay, I'm gonna move diagonally to Twin Talon. Yep, it is now flunked. And she's going to try her best to strike with her striking bane, disrupting holy silver scimitar. You're now concealed, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it automatically rolled a failure. That's weird. It is a separate d20 roll, so you can hero point it if you would like. Sure, let's try that again. Flat check is five, so you just need to roll a d20 and get higher than a five, and you will crit. Well, it's higher than a five. It's a seven on the die. That's enough. That's a seven. That makes it a critical hit. Draw that crit card. Let's get critical, critical. Slashed hand, normal damage. Until heal, the target is enfeebled one, clumsy one, and can't use one of its hands, determined randomly by the GM. It has four. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but that means I can't do the thing where, I mean, I can do the thing where I attack, but I can only do it for three attacks instead of four. Yeah. Oh no, how sad. <laughs> Take 20 points of damage. And then I'm not sure how the holy figures in. Is it just taking place of the positive there? Yeah, so it wouldn't get the disrupting, but the holy, which is not on this roll, has the same damage. Right. So it'd be 15 slashing and five holy. Five good. Five good. And it definitely takes the good. Gug, gug. Gug, gug. Gug, 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 I'm so sorry. Wrong show? That's on Twitch? Yes. I gave in to my impulses. I'm so sorry. Well, now you have to fight gugs in that one. Wait, you get the good and... For this, it evens out, but for future, holy is its own thing. Just like David S. Pumpkins. Any questions? Yes! <laughs> so many! Alright, she moved. She struck. She's got another action. I'm gonna raise my shield, because these guys look like they hit hard. Schmacka, schmacka. Okay, and Brianna will raise her shield. Next up is Knife Sword. Rob, it is your turn. Ooh, go ahead. It is your turn. Hooray! Ooh's gonna yell out, Tadalon! 
<laughs> and then rush in. Can't get that out. Also, do I make a perception check before I go in or after I'm in the cloud? To make the attack, you do it. After you roll the attack, it will automatically roll the concealment for you. Which is nice because you already know what your attack roll would have been. Yeah. So if you crit fail, you're like, nah, I'll just miss because I rolled that one on the concealment <laughs> check. Perception, right? You don't need to roll a perception check. You just need to pick your target, which is the Gug. Go ahead and make your roll. 32. 32 with a exactly a five on your concealment. That is a regular hit. All right. Fuck this thing. <laughs> 24 slashing and three force damage. So 27 total. Woof. Right into the gug. And I'll strike it again. Don't you hurt my friends. <laughs> so you miss, but you succeed on the concealment. So, you know. So you can hear a point the attack if you have it. Mm -hmm. I want to save it for, I don't know what later. That's fair. No, 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 no. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it anyway. Go ahead and eat that. And I'm going to strike it again. I did. Wah. Still a miss, unfortunately. I'm sorry. Could I have made a uh, reactive murder on Boo's first attack? Yes, you could have. Yes! Okay, then I would like to do that. Fine. Don't say I never did nothing for you. I will not say that phrase. <laughs> so you critically hit it, but you missed with your concealment. I will reroll that with a hero point, please. With a hero point. All right. I'm going to take your one hero point. Reroll that concealment check. Five or higher. It's an 11. That's 11. That's a crit. Okay. So something that we haven't done before, because I haven't really had these weapons that long, is that the thundering and shock runes that are on my weapon do extra stuff during a critical hit. Oh, boy. Mm -hmm. So first I'll draw my crit card. Okay. I was going to say, if you hit the critical button, it might actually do all of it for you. Well, part of it, like the thundering makes them deaf if they don't succeed on a fortitude save. And then the lightning one a shock arcs to up to two other targets, so it actually would arc to damage the other two monsters. Gross. But first I'll draw my crit card. 31. Piercing. Crit effect. The target is second three. Okay. So double damage and second three. Second three. So that's 80 damage. <laughs> oh. Goodness. Plus... It needs to make a DC 24 fortitude save. Did you say 42? All right. DC 24. <laughs> No, no. <laughs> 42? Sure. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> I'm sure it's not going to fail it at this level, but... 28? Yeah, so that succeeds. But also, I rolled really poorly on my electricity, but the other Gug and the, the Cooley also take two points of electricity damage. Hey, two points could make a difference. I shuffle my feet on the carpet and give him a little zap. Yeah. You hear the gug say, ow, that hurt. <laughs> All right, so that is the end of Ooze's turn. She moved and she swung and swung. It is now the last gug's turn. Can I be annoying for a second? I mean, why should I stop now, right? You may. So with second three, would Ooze 27 have hit? That is a good call. It would. Thank you. Hero point. Hooray. Thank you for being annoying. <laughs> and Matt, I just gave you a hero point. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you hit. So go ahead and do damage, Heidi. I would love to. Thank you. Here we go. 26 slashing and two force damage for a total of 28. All right. You slash into it and it takes 28 damage. Now my last gug is going to go and it's going to be very upset about everything that's been going on. And it's going to move out of the shadow because it doesn't know where this. I mean, he knows where it came from, but. 
And it's going to move right here. Wait, 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 wait. That would have provoked attack opportunity from both of them. Exactly. Yep, I'm aware. Would Ooh and or Brianna like to make an attack of opportunity? 100%. Do you want to go first? And it is flat-footed because it moved into flanking. After you. Oh, well, sure. That is a critical hit. Nice. Yes. Hell yeah. Pull out my critic card. Number 19 for some slashing damage. This is called armor damage. The target's armor also takes the damage applying the armor's hardness normally. Well, sorry there's no armor on them, but you do get double damage. Yes, bitch. Let's go. Critical. For a total of 38 points, 34 slashing, 4 force damage. Oh, dang. And the target is Frightened 1. All right, so Frightened 1 and 38 points of damage. Brianna, what would you like to do? I would also like to take an attack of opportunity. Oh, don't forget to give Ooh her plus 2 damage from Dread Marshal's aura, which is plus 4 on a crit. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. That is a critical hit. Beautiful. Yes, queen. This gug has made a bad decision. <laughs> Carve your initials, Norma Damage. The target is so humiliated, it can do nothing but attack you. At the end of each of its turns, it can attempt a will save to end this effect. That completely stops what I was about to do. You're welcome. Actually, no, it might still work. No, because you have to attack me instead of either of the squishies that you were going to go do. Yeah, that is a perfect crit for Brianna. Exactly. She has her shield raised. She's trying to protect her friends. Perfect. And then the Gug is going to take another 22 points of damage plus another four from the Dread Marshals. That's not the right damage. That's, I think, her, her javelin. Yeah, that is. I'm going to heal it 22 points first, and then you can roll your... Sorry, the javelin's first for some reason, and I was not paying attention. That's fine. You still hit it. Still a crit. There we go. So that would be 14, 10 slashing, and 4 good. All right. Now, Matt, do you think I could do Ferocious Claws, which would be four claw strikes attack against four different targets? No. I would say that because of the crit, you can only attack her until you take get the end of your turn, then you gotta make a will save and maybe you get out of it, but... Yep, all right. Which I think is DC's probably 33. Yeah, so here comes its first attack against Brianna. Did you raise your shield at the end of your last turn? I did. Let me, I just wanted to make sure I had that on for you before I made my attack. Oh, it doesn't matter. I miss by eight. Second attack will be its jaws. So I critically miss, but I do hit you in the concealment, so it doesn't matter. I am critically miss, doesn't matter. This is a unarmed. The target deals jaws damage to you. So she bites it back? It bites your fist. What? Basically do an unarmed attack or unarmed damage. Can we read that if that's okay? We're not private that so we can all see it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Here, reveal to everyone. Yeah, so Brianna bites it. It tries to bite her and she bites it instead, <laughs> which is weird. I just love that it's called It Bit Your Fist. Yeah. Can I strike with a cinder claw then? Yeah, roll the damage. So as it goes to bite you, you move out of the way and you give it a nice little thwack on the nose for 15 points of damage. Oh, right. It is now the top of round two. But before we get into the top of round two, I need to recover from how badly this is going for me. <laughs> We're going to take a week and uh, come back. Sounds right. And not come back? No, and come back. <laughs> All right. All right. This is supposed to be a fun fight for me, and it's not. Wah. 
Bye. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Bye. Bye, friends. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Cracked Die Podcast. Please visit us at crackeddiepodcast.com. Pathfinder 2nd Edition and the Age of Ashes Adventure Path are property of Paizo. Background audio was provided by Sirenscape because epic games deserve epic music. Please visit them at sirenscape.com. Additional background music was provided by Tabletop Audio. Visit them at tabletopaudio.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Tabletop Audio. This episode was edited by Nathan. Please visit them on Twitter at at EditingNate. Finally, thank you to all our patrons for assisting us in making this. If you would like to join our Patreon, please visit us at patreon.com slash crackeddiepodcast.